This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As our resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven-roasted chicken, or bronzino, or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share HomeThreads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to homethreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Dinner and I Just Feed You, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. Homethreads, love where you live. That's homethreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. I will just say right out of the gate that... 2020, 2021 taught me to really just lower my expectations and then just lower them a lot more. (laughs) Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Hey guys, before we get into today's conversation, don't forget to subscribe right where you're listening right now. And if you have a second, it would be awesome if you would at least rate us, but we love those reviews. Oh boy, do they make us happy. You know what I also think we should add to that? It's like, if you really love this episode or maybe last week's episode, you should send it to a friend and make sure that they know about Didn't I Just Feed You? Because ratings and reviews are really great for us, but ultimately we just want to help other busy home cooks. And the more busy home cooks you can text links to, email links to, the better, the more people we can help, which is our ultimate goal. This is a fun little, is it fun? I don't know. That was a wrong (laughs) description. (laughs) It's like another reflections episode because we've now passed one year of being in quarantine, lockdown, our lives changed by COVID. And we thought we would look back and try to decide The silver lining of what we learned about cooking in the last year, being home, cooking more than ever. And I will just say right out of the gate that 2020, 2021 taught me to really just lower my expectations and then just lower them a lot more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that is the big important overall takeaway. But talk to us more about that for you. 
I don't know. This is going to be very revealing. And I, I want to preface it by saying I do feel incredibly privileged because I already worked from home. I was able to, like, have my husband primarily run virtual school. A lot of my day-to-day life beyond cooking actually didn't change. So it was a little bit easier to incorporate breakfast and lunches that needed to be made into our day and actually delegate that some of that to my husband, which I realize is not the same for everyone. But then there are parts of like our meal planning process, even the types of groceries that I would buy that have really changed. Um, and I think that's what's going to be revealing. Like I used to be a food editor who would never – be like, oh, buy bottled salad dressing, buy bagged salads on the regular. And now I'm like obsessed. I feel not myself if there aren't like three bagged salads in the fridge. Well, but I want to just point (laughs) something out before you go too deep into this. Because I also think it's not just about lowering expectations. It's about changing the paradigm, changing the narrative, right? Because you're calling that a lowered expectation. But what I see is a more efficient, kind, and realistic way to get a fairly well-balanced meal on the table. So it's not actually lowering your expectations. It's reframing them. Okay, okay. I'm wow, serious. you just have to really I did. me in a wonderful golden light. I really appreciate that. How about this one as a good maybe it's still a paradigm shift, right? I used to be a person who was like, breakfast cereal is like a fun after school snack. It's a fun late night snack, but it wasn't our primary like Monday through Friday breakfast choice. And now that Brian is primarily in charge of breakfast, like really and truly throughout the week, breakfast, we fly through breakfast cereal. We're having breakfast cereal, two bowls in the morning. And that is a lowered expectation for me. Like, I liked getting up and making pancakes or making scrambled eggs or making quesadillas, whatever I would do on the fly for my kids before I took them to school. And now I'm just like, okay, well, they're fed. They ha- It doesn't matter what they ate. They had cereal and they'll have a ton of snacks later when they're hungry again. But I didn't have to do breakfast and I could get straight to work. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And some of the things that you're saying might be a lowered expectation for you personally. But I do think that we're all so hard on ourselves (laughs) and having to cook so many meals and be so responsible in a very direct and hands-on way for feeding our families for a year I mean, obviously, we're always responsible for making sure our kids are fed, but that meant making sure they had lunch money or, you know, it it took a couple of different shapes. It didn't necessarily mean cooking and getting it on the plate. And that is what it has meant to so many of us this year. And that is exhausting. And it has helped us figure out how to prioritize (laughs) what really matters and what we can let go. And I think that we should take a moment to celebrate that because I know it still feels a little bit like a lowered expectation to you that you're not waking up and making waffles or pancakes or whipping up biscuits in the morning (laughs) because you're not a morning person. You'll surely whip them up at night. But what a gift to know that when push comes to shove, when the rubber hits the road, whenever, when all the goes down... You know what matters. Making the biscuits at night, you will do. But you know what? Eat that cereal for breakfast. Like, that's a great thing to know. Yeah. Okay. All right, Stacey. What about you? What do you feel like the last year of cooking at home has taught you? 
And is it as rosy as you're painting all of my lowered expectations to be? I think that I, I, it's funny to me that you came at it with these like bigger emotional reflections. I feel like I'm prone to those, (laughs) prone to that kind of Mm. thinking. Yet the majority of my list was really practical. So the one thing that's sort of in line with what you're talking about is about asking for help. Mike cooks dinner once a week, although it's funny, as things have eased up, he's sort of fallen off a little bit. But in all fairness to him, like, I haven't followed up. Like, oh, he didn't give me his meal idea. I'll just meal plan the whole week and do my grocery shopping because it's going to take too much time right now to go to him, and then he needs time to think, and I just want to get this done. And then once I'm making those executive decisions about the meal plan, it's not really fair to him to be like, can you make this dish? Like, he wants to be able to pick it out and choose a recipe that he feels comfortable making. So, you know, that's kind of both of us. But asking for help was such a hard thing for me to do. It was such a hard thing for Mike to say yes to, not because he doesn't want to help, but he was literally at first like, I will help with anything else. But He's so out of practice with cooking because it's Stacy's kitchen. That's what Stacy does. That's like our division of labor, and it has been for so many years. And Mike really likes when he does something, he wants to either do it well right away or feel like he has the capacity to like learn and keep getting better and getting better. And cooking was just so intimidating to him. First couple of weeks were really rough. And then he got into it. He's like, I'm going to treat myself to a sous vide. Like, I'm going to trick out my grill. Like, those are going to be my things that I do. And he really started to own it. And I think the same goes for older kids. I really, really, it's, I think it's unrealistic. People always talk about teaching your older kids to cook. And the truth is, like, Isaac doesn't care. He just doesn't care. He doesn't, he's not interested in learning. If you leave him to his own devices, he doesn't come to me and whine for food. He will literally just be like, "Eh, I just won't eat. Or like something I saw him do the other day, eat lasagna cold. We have a microwave. And maybe that's not even a weird one. I've seen him eat waffle straight out of the freezer. I'm not kidding. There's a toaster right there. He just doesn't care. And he'll like fend for himself. I really want him to be able to cook and be someone who can do that for himself, but also to help us. But like, it's just not there. But Oliver, if you have a kid who's game, Oliver will make the pancakes because just like you, I have completely stopped making any kind of nice breakfast on the weekend. Partly because I cook eggs for them on school (laughs) days when they go in. And I just feel very invested in them having like a healthy breakfast on school days. I know. I know. It's we all got it. We all got it. But Oliver will then make the waffles or the pancakes. He rushed downstairs the other day and he was like, can I make the scrambled eggs? Yes. I was like, what? Why? And it turned out because unbeknownst to me, he took Mike's milk frother that Mike uses for his and he has like a handheld wand one and he frothed the eggs for an after school snack. And we had our sitter <laughs> here that day. He cooked them. That's why I had no idea this happened. And he told me very proudly 
that our sitter said, this tastes just like IHOP eggs because they were really like light and fluffy because he frothed the crap out of them. And then he got excited and wanted to make breakfast for himself on a school morning. So asking for help and like finding the people in your family who are game and figuring out what their way in is. Like Mike wanted to be able to own something. Great. You're the grill (laughs) sous vide guy. Do it. Like Oliver is just into doing cockamamie things. Great. Here's the milk frother. Froth those eggs. (laughs) But it actually ends up being so helpful. Yeah, that actually reminds me that one of the things I learned in the last year was how to delegate certain parts of yeah. our, of the meal process. So like I enjoy meal planning, but I did really find myself having a lot of grocery shopping anxiety. So we would rely a lot on like Instacart, which makes it a little more expensive. And so Brian was like, I'm going to go and all grocery shop and being able to like delegate that part, even if he had to call four or five times because he couldn't find radicchio. And even if he brought home red cabbage instead of radicchio, <laughs> it still was like a really great learning experience. And I said this, I can't remember when I shared this, but I did, my brother's been, has been with us throughout the pandemic. And I, one week I was like, can you just meal plan I remember, and yeah. cook. And that was really good. And actually, I think it's about time to do that again. Yes. And that gave me a break, which was so desperately needed um, in the middle of all of this. So yeah, there's some like delegating that I learned, which is still, again, like asking for help for you. It's really hard to do and it's really hard to keep up with, but I have more skills to be able to do that now. Yes. So asking for help, delegating, shortcuts, and reframing your expectations are some of the like big things that we've taken out of this that I, I really hope that we can all carry forward. Yes. I all, I'm going to be like an outsider looking in here and say that you also learned that sourdough bread baking is not, not for, for you. Me. Oh, my God. Year. I wanted it to. I wanted it so bad. I don't even know that I ended up baking a single loaf, but I had four jars of starter. <laughs> and I can't even tell you how much joy and laughter my family got out of the whole situation. It really was not for me. But I- I'll tell you something. I did learn that making a quick pancake with fried shallots and sourdough starter is the bomb appetizer. Actually, it makes me want to create a new starter just to be able to make that again. Yeah, I feel like I actually made more things with just my starter, whether it was like crumpets or biscuits or pancakes, than I actually baked bread with it. And honestly, at this point, because we're getting ready to move, my starter is no longer with us. Yeah, it's bye. (laughs) Bye. What was its name? R.R.A.P. Stanley. Stanley. Um, Bye, Stanley. It Bye, was Stanley. you were you were good while you lasted. And that's like a really interesting thing is there's so many trends that happened in the last year. Sourdough, all the cakes that looked like not cakes. Like okay. more recently, I saw an Amazon box that was actually a cake inside, and I was like, we can't bend reality like this. <laughs> But I want some other ones. Okay. I want to talk about banana bread is the one that comes to oh, mind. Yes. Yes. Okay. How can I forget banana bread? But this is one of my lessons. One of I told you I had a list of practical things. 
Everyday baking is much more a part of my cooking than it was before. Banana bread, loaf breads, just tray cakes. Yes. Snacking cakes. Yes. I've been doing it so much more. It makes everybody happy. It's fantastic. I'm a convert. And you know know, I'm not super into baking. I know, but that is something that you've really owned this year, I feel like. Everyday baking is on my list. Yes. Okay, what else is on your list? I need to know. Well, there are two things that we've already mentioned that are kind of related. One is getting your groceries delivered. I was already a devotee. I live in New York City, so Fresh Direct has been, I think of them as the like granddaddy. uh, For (laughs) sure. Grandmama of grocery delivery. So get your groceries delivered for sure. Especially in the winter when the farmer's market, at least I guess it depends where you live, where the farmer's market isn't as abundant. It's so convenient and easy. And all of these markets now have it down to a science. I mentioned the milk frother. So, you know, I have a milk frother that's a countertop one. I mentioned that Mike uses a wand one because we both like different levels of froth. And the point here is you can be your own barista. I think we learned this. Right? Yes. And on the grocery delivery thing, getting a coffee bean subscription was like the number one best thing I did for my marriage in quarantine. Because Brian would get so grumpy when we couldn't get the like coffee beans he liked during delivery or sometimes they'd be sold out. And just getting it directly from our coffee shop, game changer for sure. Game changer. Get a milk frother. Buy that mushroom coffee you've been interested in. Invest in a little bit of green tea. Like, make that matcha latte. Like, make those little syrups. (laughs) But it saves you money in the end. And it's really nice and convenient once you have a little setup and you know what you like and you make it for yourself. 100%. And I would add to that cocktails, too. You know Yes, yes. In November of 2020, we, like, went and spent a mint getting our home bar set up. And then for like the holidays, it was this really fun thing. Like every evening we would find a cocktail recipe to try and was way more affordable than us like ordering cocktails from our local bar, which is fun. And we did it occasionally. But then we also like learned a lot about what we like, what we don't like. We learned a lot about cocktail making. It was like this fun bonding experience for the grownups in our house. Totally. And I know some vineyards may even still be doing this. Home taste wine tastings. So, you know, I have a friend who actually is an avid listener. Hi, Ashley. She and her husband did a wine tasting together, which was such a great date night in idea. And you do it over Zoom and they ship you the wines. And how great is that? So definitely like setting up your home bar, tasting, learning, making syrups, experimenting with bitters and different garnishes. It's really fun. Yes. Okay. What else is on your practical list? Okay, make your fridge colder. And I will in the show notes put the exact temperature because I don't remember off the top of my head. But at the very beginning, when we were packing our fridges with so much stuff and we weren't sure when we would be able to get groceries next, I did some research on what temperature the fridge should be. And it's a couple of degrees colder will help keep everything fresher longer. It's a game changer. I know I've shared it before on the podcast, but like way in the beginning of the pandemic. I know. And I think I forgot that. So now I'm like, oh, I should do that. And actually, it's not something that I learned from being at home for the last year, but it's certainly something that I learned I should implement more seriously. Organizing your fridge, 
how to make sure that you're taking what's about to go bad and either pull it up front or make sure that you're putting it on your meal plan, keeping the fridge clean, creating sections in your fridge to keep it organized just really helps reduce food waste and helps you make the most of your grocery budget. For sure. I've been relying on my freezer a lot for that too. Like stuff that we're not getting to, I'm faster to put it in the freezer and be able to pull it out as like a Hail Mary lunch or dinner later on than let it go to waste and just be like, oh, well, yes. Yeah. Yes. I think that's great because using your freezer more is on my list too. And totally, you know, you would see those greens wilting or that fruit going bad and you might think to yourself, I'm going to just make a point of using that. And it just... A lot Doesn't of times ha- that isn't realistic, happen. right? Yeah. But I think we were all so keenly aware of the fact that it was hard to find ingredients that we loved. We didn't know when the next grocery delivery would be good. We wanted to go to the grocery store as little as possible. We really turned an eye towards reducing our food waste, which is really truly the number one way to save on your grocery budget is to make sure that you're using what you do buy. And just like, don't hesitate. If you really are going to use it in two days, fine. Then just thaw it again in two days. But chances are you're not going to use it in two days. (laughs) And then it's there in your freezer ready for you when you do think to use it in five or seven days. Yeah. Take some pressure off. Take some pressure off. Uh, This is a really silly one. But I learned that cabbage and winter squash can honestly last what seems like a lifetime. I feel like it multiplies in my crisper drawer. I'm like, oh, yeah, I only have a half a head of cabbage. And I go in there and I'm like, oh, that's actually more like three quarters. Weird. That's not what I remember. Yeah. I mean, it's really it's really intense. So that's good to know when you're meal planning. <laughs> if you're a meal planner, if someone who meal plans for a whole month, that you want those hearty veg, like meal plan those meals at the end of the month or at the end of your week, however you do it. It's just very like good to know and be aware of what goes bad fast and what goes bad slow. I was already, you know, all about beans. We have a whole episode on beans, but eating in the pandemic really reinforced my love affair with beans in cans, in bags. At one point, a couple of months ago, I still had all these bags of beans left. And I was like, oh my God, this was so crazy. Because Mike was like, beans and rice, buy so much beans and rice. And I like didn't want to hoard food. But I was like, that's a very easily, readily available ingredient. And it does, it can make so many different kinds of meals. So I'll just You know, that's the thing that over the weeks, I'll keep buying it. Two bags, two bags. And I looked in my cabinet and was like, holy crap, how did I end up with all these bags of beans? And they're gone now. Like, I really do use them. So they're so flexible. They're so nutritious. And for me also, my Instant Pot got so much freaking use over the pandemic. I love it. I could kiss it. I could marry it. (laughs) Love it. Which you wouldn't have said even two years ago. No, I wouldn't have. Your notes on beans make me like also reflect on myself and our family. And we really have shifted to eating more meals that are meat-free than we did before. Like we might do like – you know, in 2019, pre-pandemic, we might have done like meatless Monday and then like a leftover night might be meatless. But I feel like something happened where when we started cooking more beans, when other proteins were not in stock and so we would buy tofu, it really gave me a greater appreciation for those things and somehow just like shifted it just a little bit where it's like now we're having 
two meals with meat yeah. and three are meatless. And I'm not even actually, that's not even intentional. It's just sort of like what has shifted for us naturally over the last year. And, you know, building on that, I've also started to use meat differently. It used to be kind of an on or off thing. Like this is a meat-based meal or this is a plant-based meal. And now it's like, you know, use a little bit of bacon in the beans or we have that much pork left over, that doesn't make a full meal, but I can incorporate it by making a big bowl of veggies and just a little bit of meat or spreading it out. I feel like I've, I'm using meat more smartly than before. Yes, which is great all around. Like It's good for your body. It's good for the environment. I love, love, love that change for both of us. Anything else on your practical list? No, that was what I was able to come up with. What about you? I don't know. I mean, I think I have, you know, I said the thing about lowered expectation and delegating. I also think that I have a greater appreciation for both my home kitchen, which I've dogged so much for being tiny, for being old, for being beat up, for not having enough counter space. I hate my glass cooktop, all those things. But like, especially at the beginning of the year, I was like, wow, this little kitchen that feels so inefficient to me at times actually made so many meals for us just fine. It made like tons of Christmas cookies. It made big batches of beans and I had space for all those things. So it gave me a greater appreciation for that. But there's also this thing that, that happened and a lot of it has to do with my involvement in PTA and our kids are currently at a Title I school where there's like a lot of free and reduced lunch. And so PTA banded together to make sure that those kids who weren't in school physically anymore were still being fed. And the school district provided meal boxes, but parents, depending on their schedules and what they had going on, couldn't get to the school in the pickup window. And so we were like delivering these food packages and even small things like our kids started coming home on their hybrid days with little bags of fresh fruits and veggies to kind of just like try out and provide snacks on those not on those virtual days and it just gave me a greater appreciation for all that we have and it made me more aware of the disparity between you know being an upper middle class white woman and the privilege that I have as well as like seeing how we could change our even, you know, being like in the past, I might have been like, oh, well, the school district has got that handled. And I it made me more hands on and be like, no, I want to make sure that these families who are my kids friends at school, that they are also fed. And I did find myself a couple of times when I would feel grumpy about grocery delivery or you know, having to cook more. The big paradigm shift for me was when I would do that, my brain automatically would be like, okay, but I do have food and I should be grateful for that. And so we would turn around and make a donation, whether it's to our local food bank or to Feeding America. And not that that, like, I don't think that deserves a pat on the back, but I think that that's, it also helped me with the longevity of the pandemic and all the cooking that we had to do was just this like greater gratitude for what I have and a bigger awareness of what other people don't have and how I can, I can, and we should be filling that gap where we can. It's really, it's actually making me a little bit emotional that you brought this up because we did not discuss or prep for this episode together. And the one thing that I wanted to end on was talking about food banks because this has been a very, very difficult year for so many families across the globe, American families, and food insecurity is at a peak right now. 
and food banks, a lot of them are just run independently. I don't know about everywhere. I know in New York City, there's a lot of them that don't get government support. And a lot of them have had to close because the people who ran them (laughs) didn't have enough money or had to take on other jobs or didn't have enough support or didn't feel safe to keep them going at the height of the pandemic here in the city. So they have been a lifeline to so many families. And if you're a family that can support other people, and it doesn't necessarily have to be at a food pantry, we've been doing weekly drops at our community fridge. You know, even just cleaning out what's in your pantry, if something has been there for, you know, six months, like if I hadn't used up all those beans and, you know, you have enough to fill your pantry and your fridge every single week, then instead of letting that grow, donate that to someone or checking your neighborhood. Because I couldn't agree with you more. I think that the pandemic has highlighted so much of what needs to be worked on in American society. And, you know, the the food insecurity that there the fact that there were farms that had all these surpluses and then not an hour away, major U.S. cities where people were waiting in line for hours to get to food banks doesn't make any sense. And that's not necessarily to fault anyone in particular, but somehow finding a way to fix our food system. And in the meantime, you know, that burden doesn't have to be ours individually. I'm not trying to make it heavy for us necessarily, but do just being aware of it is really important and doing what you can. Yeah. And I think that that's a really good sentiment and reminder that, yes, there's stuff that we can do on an individual level, but sometimes that's cost prohibitive depending on what you know, the year of pandemic has looked like for you. There's lots of stuff like calling your senators and advocating for this, these systemic changes that can improve the system with that don't cost you money. So there's always a way to be an advocate um, that's not at a cost to you, too. And so and cooking for others, cooking for others, too. You know, if your friend, you know, hurt their ankle, that's a story from my life. (laughs) Or you have a neighbor who's older and had some underlying issues and really isn't free to move about very easily until she is fully vaccinated. You know, like make a tray of something for somebody. It, yeah. It's a great way to help people feel loved and seen and cared for in a time when we've been so disconnected. I have complained about not being able to have people in my house, which is one of my greatest joys is to, like, have people over and feed them. But some of the highlights of the last year have been, like, cooking for friends who had a baby in the pandemic or their whole family got COVID and we were able to do a porch drop of, like, broth and easy stuff for them to eat. And even, like, Thanksgiving, our friends had to be out of their house, they had a plumbing issue and like being able to cook for them, being at home really did open up some time where I got to be of service to my friends and neighbors. And I'm incredibly grateful for that too. Yay. Well, on one lighter note to end on, you mentioning Thanksgiving circles us back to the top of the episode where you said lower expectations. And I was like, no, we're just going to reframe it. 
Uh, holidays <laughs> lower those damn expectations. Yes. These holidays, there was a very, again, this is coming from a very privileged point of view, but there was a lot sad about not getting together with people who we love and miss. But it sure was nice not having to worry about like how, like a big meal and how it was presented just to like be lazy on Christmas Day and yeah. Thanksgiving. That was awesome. Or even like small family expectations. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, how's she going to be eating this year? Am I going to have to make a vegan side dish for <laughs> grandma? Yeah. <laughs> or we – and we talked about this with the ladies of What Fresh Hell podcast, like about how sometimes around holidays you have – parents who are or like grandparents or aunts or uncles who are like judgy about what your kids eat and this year we got to do like fried food fest and (laughs) so many other just like really fun things that buck tradition and some of them I don't think we'll go back to I agree that's what I'm saying lowered expectations for the holidays Amen. Is a keeper? Is a keeper. That's a keeper. (laughs) And I'm going to call it lowered expectations in that case. Yes. Okay. And we'll share the funny little, is it Mad TV or SNL thing? Yes. Of the old dating sites. Okay. Not even sites, phone lines, hotlines. That's I'm really revealing my age right now. <laughs> so on that note, I think I'd love to hear what our listeners learned from a year of cooking at home. That's going to be such a fun conversation in our listeners group. I cannot wait. So make sure you find our community by looking for Didn't I Just Feed You listeners on Facebook. And an- the answer to the question to join is whiskey. You can also follow our page on Facebook or follow us on Instagram where we are at Didn't I Just Feed You. Also, make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter. You get an exclusive recipe every week just for newsletter subscribers and a pick of the week every single week as well. You can subscribe at didn'tijustfeedyou.com or follow the link in our Instagram bio. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the actual podcast, what you're listening to right now. Do it. <laughs> Hit it. Subscribe. And that way you won't miss a single episode. Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jim Endo. A huge thank you, seriously, for real, to our editor, Samantha Gatsik. I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed until next week. Hey, Oliver. Yep. What's your favorite cheese? Pepper Jack. Oh, no, no, no. Mozzarella. Yeah, mozzarella. <laughs>